You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. everyone and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. March 30th, we started to hear rumors as well as see different messages being posted in various channels uh, discussing a novel remote code execution vulnerability against the Spring Core framework. That's Edward Wu, Senior Principal Data Scientist at ExtraHop. The research we're discussing today is titled A Technical Analysis of How Spring for Shell Works. And now, a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks, and optimizing operational efficiency. With SixthSense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixthSense.com. But unfortunately, at that specific time, uh, Spring Core themselves uh, did not acknowledge the existence of this vulnerability. Um, so there were a little bit of confusion initially on whether there was indeed any vulnerability or, or not. Hmm. And this one also was a little bit interesting because it initially based on the rumors, um, similar to to log for shell this specific vulnerability which later became the spring for shell uh, was also discovered by it seems to be a, a party in china and as a result of that because of some of the repercussions uh, that happened after 
uh, after log for shell for this specific vulnerability, whoever discovered it in China was uh, very hesitant to share any information publicly uh, because mm-hmm. if I'm not sure if you remember, but the party who discovered log for shell, which is Alibaba Cloud, um, they they were fined by the Chinese government for publicizing this vulnerability with the entire world. So this time around, uh, it turns out Spring for Shell was discovered by a subsidiary of Baba Cloud, um, and they they were kept really quiet, which caused kind of the initial confusion where there were a lot of rumors, but there was not any confirmation from Spring Core or the party who discovered it. Isn't that interesting? I mean, uh, it, it, that you have that kind of... Um I don't know, international intrigue, the, the diplomatic side of, of whether or how quickly a vulnerability like this becomes public. Yeah, exactly. And in this case, it it seems the, even the Spring Core developers look, looking at their eventual public disclosure, um, they were only notified a few days before the, the rumor got out, which is somewhat atypical compared to a traditional responsibility responsible disclosure model where typically the whoever discovers the vulnerability will generally give the uh, software vendor a bit more time mm-hmm. and also some of the rumor came out of various patching activities in Chinese internet companies because they knew about it um, so they started patching it internally, and then some of the patching documentation got leaked out um, on Twitter, and then everybody else uh, on the internet started to discover, hey, why are folks in China <laughs> patching this <laughs> seemingly very high-risk and high-impact spring core vulnerability, and, but we have never heard about it. Hmm. That's fascinating. Well, uh, for folks who might be unfamiliar with it, can you explain to us what exactly uh, Spring Core Framework is? So Spring Core Framework is an application development framework uh, for Java. In fact, it is one of probably the top three most popular Java web application development framework. And as a result of that, Spring Core is utilized to develop a very, very, very large array of web applications uh, currently being used across the entire internet and the world. Well, let's dig into the actual vulnerability here. Can you walk us through how how is it uh, pulled off and, and what exactly is it capable of? So from the high level spring for shell vulnerability, which is later named as CVE, 2022-22965 is a remote code execution vulnerability against the Spring Core framework. And it essentially enables or allows the attacker to gain full remote control of the target application server that is running Spring Core framework um, by sending maliciously crafted HTTP or web requests. And this specific vulnerability 
has a CVSS score of 9.8, which is pretty much as high as it gets um, in terms of impact and severity. So how would someone go about exploiting this? What, what, What exactly do they have to do? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so in order to exploit this specific vulnerability, the attacker essentially have to craft the a malicious web request that contain specialized bits that overwrite certain sensitive variables and program state within the target Java server application. And by doing that, the attacker could achieve a number of things. For example, the most common way to exploit this vulnerability is by remotely crafting a web request that remotely modifies the Java logger, um, application logger within the target target application. And by Mm -hmm. modifying the Java logger, the attacker will be able to trick the logger into writing and creating a web shell on the target app, target application server. And once a web shell is, has been implanted on the server, attacker will be able to access the web shell remotely um, and then essentially get full kind of a command line access to, to the target server. Wow. And that's the ball game. Yep. Yeah. So when you rate sort of the, the sophistication of what's required to exploit this is, this, is this relatively easy to take advantage of? Yeah, I would say in terms of the sophistication, it's absolutely probably some of the easiest um, exploit to deploy. So you see, the only caveat with the exploit is not all web applications developed by Spring Core Framework are vulnerable. Uh, hmm. So this vulnerability does have some caveats around, uh, for example, requiring Java version 9 or above, uh, as well as requiring uh, a specific way for the application to be developed, as well as deployed uh, commonly with the Apache Tomcat framework. Um, so there are some caveats in terms of what subset of the applications developed by Spring Core are vulnerable. However, the exploit itself is very straightforward. It, in fact, require, require just a single HTTP or web request uh, to generate or implant a web shell on the target server. And do you have a sense for how much this is being exploited? Or are folks out there taking advantage of this? Mm, that, that's a very good question, Dave. Um, from our perspective, we have definitely seen a lot of attempts to exploit this specific vulnerability uh, because it being a remote code execution vulnerability that resides on a lot, um, a lot of web servers or applications servers, which are also frequently publicly accessible. So we have seen a tremendous amount of scanning that's happening on the public internet where various parties are essentially looking for public-facing web servers that were developed using Spring Core Framework uh, and that could be vulnerable to this 
to this uh, vulnerability. Um, however, in terms of the actual success of the vulnerability, we have definitely seen a few cases, um, but I would say in general, uh, it doesn't look, based on what we have seen and what we know today, uh, it doesn't look like a lot of the exploitation attempts has been successful. And I think this has to do with a few reasons. The first being this vulnerability requiring or having some caveats um, that makes it not globally applicable to every single application developed by Spring Core. In, in addition to that, Spring Core Framework did do a good job by quickly publishing a patch as well as a workaround for the application developers um, so that they could secure or patch their existing deployments uh, of Spring Core uh, fairly quickly. Hmm. So in addition to the patch, do you have any other recommendations for how folks should best mitigate against this? Um, so patching and um, is definitely obviously the most important aspect of it. However, Spring Core itself being a part of a kind of a core component of the open source software supply chain, there are also a number of steps that businesses could take uh, to mitigate their risk against this specific vulnerability, as well as to some extent, the future iterations of other open source software supply, supply chain vulnerabilities. And, and the first part is around asset identification as well as inventory um, in being able to identify different applications running in the environment, as well as the different types of open source software that are executing or residing on those servers. So that, that's one. And I think another interesting step, uh, another important step that business could take is to level up their monitoring of the behaviors of application servers or vendor softwares that rely on open source software. And the reason being, if we look at this specific attack, uh, or this specific exploit, Spring for Shell allows the attackers to remotely control vulnerable web applications. However, for most attackers, that alone is not a success. Uh, most attackers and the step of gaining the initial entry to a business or a network through this vulnerability is the first step of most of the attack campaigns. And as a result of that, um, by monitoring and looking for suspicious network activities from web application servers, as well as vendor softwares, the business will be able to proactively identify potential compromised web application servers or vendor softwares before the attacker are able to gain further foothold or move laterally uh, within an enterprise. 
So in terms of, of who may be at risk here and who should be concerned about this, who are we talking about? Who needs to uh, have, have their, uh, their radar up? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, from my perspective, I believe there are two sets of business that should really pay attention for this specific vulnerability. The first set being businesses who do Java application development themselves um, and who are utilizing Spring Core to develop business critical applications. So for those businesses, um, they should definitely pay attention to see application servers that they have deployed their Spring Core applications on. They should definitely patch their internal versions of the Spring Core that they use to develop uh, their applications. So that's kind of the first set. Um, the second set of businesses who should pay attention to Spring for Shell vulnerability is a little bit more subtle. And this has to do with the general challenge with open source software supply chain, where Spring Core as a application development toolkit can also be used by software vendors to develop commercial softwares. So for a lot of business, obviously they could have a number of third-party commercial softwares running within their enterprise. And some of those applications or commercial softwares could be developed by Spring Core Framework, but that fact uh, might not be very obvious. So from a lot of business who even do not develop Java applications or use Spring Core Framework themselves, they could still be vulnerable by the virtue of having third-party commercial applications deployed within their network that also happen to be developed by Spring Core. So they should go out and, and uh, ask their suppliers or verify with their suppliers whether or not this is something that they're using. Absolutely. This is, to some extent, one of the exact scenarios where the um, kind of the White House executive, executive order on software bill of material is designed to solve, right? Because if every commercial application also publish the bill of material in terms of what open source frameworks they are, that they're utilized, users of commercial softwares could essentially scan through the bill of materials they got and immediately determine which applications are developed using a vulnerable version of Spring Core. Instead of without it, the users will have to ask each and every vendor of the commercial software they are using, hey, whether you guys, this specific application was developed using Spring Core, which version of Spring Core did you guys embed? And obviously it's a, 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 a lot more manual and tedious. Thanks to Edward Wu from ExtraHop for joining us. The research is titled A Technical Analysis of How Spring for Shell Works. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a message from Cyberbit. 
Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills, all using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com cyberwire. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Rachel Gelfand, Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karpf, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Hey all, Rick here. At N2K CyberWire, we're dedicated to continuously improving the quality of the news and commentary on our network. That's why we're inviting you to participate in our 2024 audience survey. It only takes a few minutes, and your feedback is invaluable. Plus, you'll have the chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card as a thank you for your time. Head on over to cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to share your feedback now. <laughs>